I'm dying. Oh, we're dying. If you can hear us, honey, your father and I are dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. Does anyone have a charger? Yeah, just down here. I'm in. Sorry, I'm dying. I'm dying. If you haven't uh, seen that ad before, it's for a, a Google Chromebook laptop that apparently promises a, a longer-lasting battery compared to the competition. And it's an interesting ad. Uh, although it promises a longer life, uh, at some point or another, that same laptop put out by Google will face the same predicament as all the others. Those individuals will still need to find a charge and still feel that, that rush and panic uh, to find a, a power source. Now, the, the image of, of needing a power source, of needing to, to be connected to a, an outlet in a wall of some kind, can be a, a good image uh, for life sometimes. There are times in life when we can feel completely depleted, drained, and just empty. And there are times where, like those people running around searching for an outlet, we can feel like in the, the, the busyness of life, we can find ourselves just running and, and being on empty. Whether it's the, the things that are happening in the world around us and external events, or whether it's just the, the business and the fullness, fullness of our own lives with schedules and work and families and, and all the different dynamics that we live in. It can feel like we're, we're running off of fumes and, and looking for a source, looking for something to connect to that can offer us life, sustenance, and, and energy. Well, today we're going to be looking at a, at a passage of scripture where, where Jesus quite plainly and simply says that in all of the, the longings we have to, to find life, in all the, the places that we feel empty and depleted and just done, he offers himself as the, the great source that we can plug our lives into to find life and sustenance. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John 15. It'll also come up on the screen behind me. And we're continuing on in our I Am series, uh, where throughout this Lent season, we've been exploring the different I Am statements that Jesus makes about himself. And this particular passage in John 15 is a lengthy one, uh, but as I read it, I invite you to just pay attention to what words or phrases stand out to you, or what, what images resonate with your heart this morning. And so here are these words from John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now we're entering that, that time of year where in the, in the, the newness of spring, you might be uh, finding yourself outside more gardening and, and maybe planting and preparing your, your vegetable gardens or your, um, your, your um, flower beds uh, with the warmer weather uh, on its way. 
And here in John 15, Jesus uses the, uh, the gardening motif or an image of, of a vine and branch to, again, communicate something about his very nature. He says, I am the true vine. Now, the, the image of Jesus being the, the vine isn't just a, a random image that he, he pulls out of a hat somewhere. But as we've been reflecting on throughout this entire series, each of these statements that Jesus makes about himself is, is deeply connected to the, the larger story of God. Throughout the, the scriptures, uh, a, a vine was an image for the, the people of Israel. God had taken the, the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of this dark and desolate time, and led them through the wilderness into the promised land. And in the promised land, the, the people of God were intended to, to be a blessing to the rest of the world. And the psalmist declares this, what it's, uh, this image of, of the vine in Psalm 80, when he says, You brought a vine, speaking of Israel, out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleansed the ground for it, and it took deep root and filled the land. The, the people of Israel were the, the vine, and that they were intended to be this, this place of, of, of fruit, of blessing and, and blossoming for the rest of the world. But so often when you read the scriptures, you see that the, the people of God fail to, to live into this high calling that God has placed on them. And so often they, they forget God, they turn their back on him. And the result is sometimes you see this image of a vine being used in a, in a negative sense. In Jeremiah 2, God says, Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? People of God had, had failed to live into the, the identity of being a chosen nation. And this image of being a vine is, is wrapped up of being a chosen people existing for the sake of the world. And here in John 15, Jesus says that I am the true vine. In other words, Jesus is saying that he is the fulfillment of all that Israel had tried and failed to accomplish. He is the true vine that in him real fruit and real blessing could be offered to the entire world. He says in verse, in verse 5 of John 15, I am the vine and you, speaking of us, are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And he makes this really strong point to say that in some ways he is, he is, the vine, he, he is making the point that he is the vine and we are the branches. In the same way a branch needs to be connected to a tree to find life and nourishment, Jesus is saying that in order for us to find life, fulfillment, and meaning for our souls, we need to be connected to him. Now this, like many of the other I am statements that we've looked at, is a bold statement of Jesus. How can he say such a, a profound and, and bold thing about himself? Well, I think it's because he's keenly aware of our, of our inherent desire to be connected to others. Do you know that currently there are over 4 billion people that are connected to the internet? Instagram has roughly 1 billion monthly active users. Some of you, I'm sure, are here. There are over 2 billion monthly active Facebook users. Our world is connected now more than it ever has been before. You can access people's lives and see into their, their stories. You can reconnect with people from the past, all with a, the, the click of a screen, click of a screen, a touch of a screen. Yet according to multiple studies from different countries around the world, loneliness has become a public health issue. And so we're connected now more than we ever have been before, but yet loneliness is on the rise. And so could it be that the loneliness of our world and the disconnection we often feel in our lives is because we've connected ourselves to the wrong things? And it's not just a, a technology thing, but so often we can connect ourselves to our work, 
We can connect ourselves to romantic relationships. We can connect ourselves to a, a social cause or even to the, the spiritual things of life, all while feeling discontent, feeling like we're, we're depleted, feeling like we're still missing the life that God has intended for us. And in verse 6 of John 15, Jesus describes what it's like to be connected to the, the wrong person or the wrong thing when he says in verse 6, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you've ever felt to, like you're at the, the end of yourself, maybe feeling completely depleted mentally, physically, or, or emotionally, then it's, it's possible, and it's, it's possible based on Jesus' words, that we could be trying to draw, sor- draw life from a source that isn't intended to give it. If you can imagine a, a, a branch of an apple tree just removed from the trunk and just laying on the ground, it's impossible to think that that branch laying on the ground can muster up enough strength and energy to produce fruit of any kind. And Jesus uses this image to, to drive home the point that unless we stay connected to him and ground ourselves in him, we will wither away and and life will not be as full as he intended it to be. And this might be a, a bleak picture, but it describes so well all the discontentment and restlessness we can find in our stories when we're, disconnected, when we're connected to the wrong things. Jesus can say that he is the true vine because as we've been learning throughout this entire series, he is more than just your average teacher, but he is God in flesh. As Colossians 1, Colossians 1 explains, the Son, meaning Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's in Christ that our entire world, our entire existence is held together. Which is why he can make this declaration of remaining in him. Because apart from remaining in him, our world and our lives will completely fall apart. Now the word in this passage in John 15 that we've read, this remain word, appears 11 times in these 11 verses. And whenever there's repetition in scripture, it's not bad writing, but it's intentional writing. And the word remain is translated from the Greek word meno. And meno appears in its various forms all throughout John's gospel 34 times. It's a significant message that John is trying to get across to his audience. And the word meno can be translated as remain as it is in this text, but can also mean abide, which is an older term which means to to make make your home with. It can mean to to stay or to connect or to pursue or to, to stay with on a long journey. And it's this image of, of deep intimacy with Jesus. It's this picture of, of, of being so close to him that he becomes a, the source of our very being. The image of, of remaining in Jesus might sound like a, an abstract one. It might be hard to, to wrap our minds around. But when you think about it from a, a relational context, it starts to make sense. You know, uh, over the last few months, uh, my wife Amber and I have taken part in a marriage course. We recognize that our lives were just getting so full with so many different things that we rarely had time to just be together. We rarely had time just to, to sit and, and talk, talk about how each of us was doing uh, as individuals. And while the information in the, in the course has been uh, interesting and, and thought-provoking and has provided a lot of discussion, 
the biggest gift that we've gained from this experience has just been the, the time that we've set apart every week to just be present to each other, to remain present in our relationship. And it's looked different every week. Sometimes we'll just play a game, we'll bake together, or we'll just sit and have a conversation. And it's been amazing to, to hold this space where we are remaining, not only in our relationship, but trying to remain in love with one another. Where we're holding a space to, to talk about things that don't have to do with our, our schedules or decisions that we have to make or, or, or about our kids, but we're able to hold space for just the two of us. And we're starting to, to see, see signs of the, the love that we were experiencing when we were dating, but that's long been uh, put on the back burner with the, the complexities of life. And this is the, the type of picture that, that Jesus pr- presents to us when he invites us to remain in love. The story of, of Good Friday and Easter that we're going to celebrate in a few weeks is the, the greatest picture of, of love ever told. Where God in flesh enters our world and he, he suffers on the cross for all of our sin, all the things that we do to push him and other people away. And he raises to life to, to offer us a, a, new, a new way to offer us this, this new resurrection life in this world and in the world to come. And it's his grand picture of love. And Jesus says in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. It's his great picture of, of remaining intimate, staying close, and not being far off from the love of the one who first loves us. Remain in my love. And he goes on to say in verse 5 that the evidence of us remaining in his love. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. He says that if we remain in him, if we find ourselves closely connected and intimately connected to him, that there will be signs of, of fruit in our lives. And again, this might be a, an abstract image for us to wrap our minds around. But if you've ever done any gardening at, at home or you've seen fruit trees, Fruit is the sign of, of evidence. It's a, it's a tangible sign of, of your plant being alive. If you enjoy a, an apple from an apple tree or, or tomato from a tomato plant, it's a sign that that plant is doing what it's supposed to do, that it's flourishing, that it's thriving, that it's alive. And similarly, the more we remain in Christ, the more that his work continues in us, and the more we'll find ourselves bearing fruit, meaning that there'll be some sort of, of production, there'll be something visible in our lives. Fruit is always visible. There's no such thing as invisible fruit. And it's this image that Jesus uses to describe that when we remain in him, that there should be some tangible evidence of that on display for the sake of the world. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 describes what some of this fruit might look like when he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul describes that when we have the, the very spirit of Jesus in us, when we're remaining in Christ, that these are the signs of the, of the fruit of that, that, of that relationship, of remaining in him. And if you can see these things in your life, if you can see love, joy, and patience on display in your life, then it's a good indicator that you have done the, the good work of remaining in Christ. And if you want more love in your life, if you want more, more joy in your life, if you want more kindness and more self-control in your life, then Christ's invitation to us is to remain in him. Because it's as we remain in him that this fruit is then produced, that we become more of the people that God intended all of us to become. You know, ever since my, my son Josiah was, was little, his love language has always been touch. For him, things like holding hands and hugs are his way of expressing his, his love to others. 
And it's the way that he also receives love as well. And a number of years ago, uh, my wife uh, and I recognized that there were certain days where he just seemed off, where he was agitated and just not himself. And as we reviewed those particular days, we noticed that we hadn't been as intentional at offering him what he needed and offering him the, the love he needed in that particular day, that we hadn't spent enough quality time with him in the way that was important to him. And that discovery started us on the process of trying to make an intentional effort every single day to try and show him love in, the, in his love language. And so what that looks like for us, typically in, a, in the morning, before breakfast, Josiah and I will wrestle. We'll spend 15 minutes just exerting energy and just wrestling. And it's a way to just communicate to him that he is deeply loved and, and cared for. And sometimes in the middle of our wrestling, when we're just being ridiculous and pretending like we're WWE superstars, he will stand up and just give me the, the biggest hug ever as a way to communicate, I, I need this. And the more that we've, we've begun this practice, his day has completely changed. And I think for Josiah, it's, that, it's this idea that when we wrestle, he feels that, that touch that's so important to him. And he remembers that he's connected to a parent who loves and cares for him. And the result is that his, chain, his day goes in a completely different direction. He's more at ease. He's, he's a little bit more himself. He's more joyful and, and more optimistic about the day. And there's this sense in which when we remain, when we remain in the love of Christ, our lives and our, our outward existence begins to change. There's tangible and visible sign of us remaining in Christ. We start to see the, the fruit of that relationship affecting our work, affecting our families, affecting our, how we exist in our neighborhoods. We start to, to see it. And the other thing that you notice about fruit is that fruit is never for itself. You've never seen a, a self-eating fruit. But fruit is always for the, for the sake of the other. Fruit is always offered as a, as a gift for the world. It's always offered for, for someone else to consume. And this is a, the picture that Jesus offers to us where he says in verse 8, that this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Being the, the true vine, Jesus reestablishes re and, and lives into this idea of being a, a blessing for the entire world. And when we remain in him, he invites us to continue that blessing for the sake of the world. So that when we produce love, joy, peace, and patience, it's for ourselves, yes, but it's also for the sake of the world. What our world needs now more than ever is, is more love, more self-control, more patience, more joy. And it's as we remain in Christ that that gets infused in us and offers itself to the rest of the world. In verse 2, Jesus talks about this idea of, of pruning which might sound like a, another abstract thing. When in verse two, he says that he being the, the father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Now in our, in our yard, in our home, there's a, a large apple tree. And a number of years ago, our housemates, Brian and Shannon, uh, invited an arborist to come in and prune this tree. Now I didn't know this at the time, but apparently with trees and plants, there can be these things called sucker branches where a tree or a plant can have all sorts of branches or, or little vines that shoot off that can deteriorate and split energy from going to primary branches. And so what you need to do is you have to have an arborist or someone come in and prune the, the tree to, to cut away the, the branches that are kind of uh, sidetracking side the energy to focus all of its energy on the, the quality branches. So that instead of getting a, a hundred small, tiny, terrible apples, you end up with 30 robust, full, and delicious apples. 
And it's this idea of, of trimming away certain things so that more fruit, more be- better fruit is on offer in our lives. And here Jesus describes that in the life of faith, there are times when God may do the work of pruning in us. That when we're remaining in him and when we're bearing this fruit for the world, that there may be times where he removes things or he asks us to remove things so that we too might bear more fruit. The word prune in the, in the Greek word here is kathare, and it means to, to cleanse or to purify. And it comes from the, our English word, it's the base for our English word, uh, cathartic. And it's this idea of, of enriching, of, of trying to, to move away things for the sake of, of allowing them to be all the more beautiful. And when Jesus does the, the work of pruning in our lives, it's for the sake of, of our own benefit and for the sake of the world. And this will look very different in, in each of our lives. But the more that we remain in Christ, the more God will prune us. Meaning that in our lives, we may encounter disappointment, hardship, and what feels like lost opportunities. But if we are in Christ, if we are remaining in him, then it's possible that even life's difficult moments are the work of, of God's pruning in us. And so that, so that we might be all the more fruitful, all the more beneficial, all the more of a blessing to the world. Jesus invites us to remain in him. And the good news is that this invitation to remain in him is a, is a two-way street. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. In other words, if you come make your home with me, I will make my home with you. And what a promise that the, the God of the universe says, if you come and come close to me and draw close to me, I will, I will draw close to you, that I will make my home within you. And so we're left with the question of, of what does it look like to remain? What does it look like to, to be this close to the, the person of Christ? Well, in verse 7 and 10, he says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then in verse 10, he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. You know, I mentioned a few weeks ago that one of the ways that we we hear the voice of Jesus and one of the ways that we grow in in remaining in Christ is through immersing ourselves in the scriptures by people being people who who know the the voice of God so well that we're able to to spot a lie when it comes our way. And it's as we we immerse ourselves in the the words of Jesus, as we immerse ourselves in in the commands of Jesus, that we're, we show what it means to, to remain, to stay close, to stay intimate and to be with him. It's in things like prayer where we, where we make space and hold space to hold that relational uh, space with God that we're able to remain in him. Brother Lawrence was a, a lay brother at a Carmelite monastery in the 1600s. And before joining the mo- monastery, he served in the military. And while enlisted, he had a, a spiritual awakening. He had this experience where in the, the barren, he describes looking at a barren tree in the, the winter, stripped of leaves and fruit and waiting for summer to come. And this bleak and seemingly lifeless tree describes so much of the, the lifelessness that he felt deep within his soul. But the hope that one day summer would come, that one day that this tree would one day reblossom and produce fruit one day, was for him a sign of, of the good work that God longed to do in his own story. And it was this revolution, revelation of, of this tree one day being changed that was for him a, a picture of the life that God wanted to offer him. He later on entered into the monastery and found himself staying connected to the very life of Jesus, remaining in Christ in some of the everyday tasks of life. No matter how mundane or ordinary the act was, he used it as an opportunity to remain close to the person of Christ. 
And he later wrote these words where he writes, Men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And it seems like a, a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence. Yet, it might be so simple. Is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of him? Brother Lawrence was a, was a single monk who connected to the, the vine of Jesus in the everyday moments of life. And he makes this, 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 um, this distinction that so often when it comes to the spiritual things in life, we see them as, as heavy burdens or things that we need to make room for. And that's, that's true to a degree. But he invites us to, to see everyday moments as opportunities to, to connect with the, the vine of Jesus. That we see grocery shopping. We see walking our dogs. We see, we see going to, to pick up our kids from school. We see all the, the everyday moments of our lives as opportunities to, to remain in the goodness of God. Jesus invites us to stay connected, to remain in him, and he promises to remain in us. And in John chapter 6, verse 56, Jesus says this. He offers one other picture of how we might remain in him, where he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. This picture is a, a pretty intense image where Jesus says, if you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you will remain in me. And each week when we come to the, the table of communion, it's coming with this great desire of saying, Jesus, I long to remain in you. I long to be connected to, to you, the very source of life, the, the vine of, of life. And communion is this space where we, we acknowledge in our hearts all of the, the places that we've wronged ourselves, that we've wronged others, that we've wronged God. And in seeking the, the forgiveness of God, we come humbly to the table seeking that God might offer us his very life and his spirit and make us new again. That as we take in these elements of, of bread and drink, that they, how somehow, they somehow embody the, this reality of Christ remaining in us and us in him. And so when we come to this table, it's not a, just a, a ritualistic thing that we do, but it's, it's deeply symbolic in that it, it points forward to this greater reality. It's a, it's a physical and outward sign of an inward reality that we're trying to live in each and every week. To say, Jesus, yes, I remain in you. Jesus, yes, I want to stay close to you. I want to be deeply connected to you. You are the source of life. And every time we come to this table and we participate in this meal with, with humble and, and genuine hearts, we claim that over and over and over. And we remind ourselves to each other what it means to be people who remain in the love of Christ. And so if you're here today and you're, you're longing to be, to, to be connected to a source of life, to find energy for your, your weary soul, to, to be connected to a God who longs to offer you his love, his forgiveness, and his kindness, then you're invited to, to come to this meal and to see the, the sign and the journey that you make from your chair to this table as a sign of your desire to say, yes, Jesus, I long to remain in you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we acknowledge the, the ways in which we so often connect our lives to, to so many different things, so many things that don't offer us nourishment, so many things that don't offer us energy, so many things that don't offer us life. And we acknowledge now and we humbly ask for your forgiveness for the ways that we have misguided and misused this gift of life. And we ask Jesus that as we come to this table, 
that by your Holy Spirit, we might be people who are infused by your very life and spirit, that we might be people who remain uh, in your love for us and remain in you. And so would you bless these, these simple elements and would you make them holy? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would meet us in this meal as we come to declare that you are the, the true vine, the light of the world, the, the good shepherd, come to offering us life. We ask in your name. Amen.